Welcome to Emerald's Podcast, episode number 117. This is your host, Suman Silwal. I would like to welcome Carl Meltzer to Emron's podcast. Carl, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Suman. I'm uh, just uh, doing my standard thing, working in my backyard in the afternoon and uh, after my run today and, uh, you know, just being me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. How's the weather out west? Because here in Alabama, it's raining a lot, so we're trying to stay dry, I guess. So it's not possible. Well, we when it's dry in Utah, so we like to see precipitation. It's snowing a lot, actually, and I've been running through the soft snow, which is hard, but it's probably better for you in the long run. So, you know, it's, it's really about mental power in the wintertime, but it's been snowing a lot. It's been good. Been been a good year. Definitely. Uh, for me, it's a, this is, uh, I'm going to hit uh, 200 miles in January, which is a lot for me. Last year, I looked at my stat, and it's like 88 miles versus 200. So I've been going out. Um, like I said, it's a running outside in the wintertime is a, it's mental toughness and a lot of things involved. So definitely. Uh, make sure man sometime. <laughs> <laughs> and especially in the rain, everybody say, you're not going to melt. But, but, um, but I have learned to go out and run. I'm just, uh, um, so so it's uh, it's been it's been good here. Uh, Carl, you you came to uh, Alabama for Pinhoti uh, in a different capacity. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on, as part of the main part of our podcast. But you came back. Uh, how was your trip here back to Alabama? Uh, it was good. It's slightly different for me uh, because I was crewing my wife Cheryl, and that was a whole new experience. Which I think it was probably harder than running the race. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's you know it's. Uh, it's cool to be on the other side of things once in a while. I mean, I got to run on the Pinhoti Trail on my own, so I guess a good runs every day, so I was pretty psyched about that. But when you crew someone who isn't quite at the front of the pack, more in the middle, it's hard to stay up all night. Mm-hmm. I think I slept in a rental car like for an hour and a half at a time, like three different periods of time, and that was probably the, one of the hardest things I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was cool. I had a great time. You know, it's always a good hospitality, and, you know, Todd Henderson puts on a great show, so it's cool to run around the woods and drive around the woods. Definitely. Penhody, it's a favorite trail for us here in Alabama. We'll talk about this a little bit more in detail, your whole experience, but uh, it's glad uh, you came. I, we kind of passed each other. I never got to see you while you're here. Uh, uh, thanks for coming to Emron's podcast. And uh, before we uh, get deep down into some of the things I like to talk, let's talk about your uh, Speed Goat uh, 3, the, the Suze, Hoka Suze that's coming up, or it's already out there. I wear Speed Goat 2 right now. I just want to let you know I like it much better than Speed Goat 1 that, that's still pretty new. <laughs> no surprise there. You're, you're, you know, that's, uh, that's how things go, though. You, you only get better with age, you know. Tell us about it. what's the difference uh, in the Suze uh, from two to three well the the whole base the the footbed the the drop the the tread on the sole the vibram rubber the amount of cushion all those things are at, at the at your you know at the, at the base layer are all the same so nothing's really changed there the only thing we changed just a little bit just kind of a little bit of a tweak was that we wanted to give just a tiny bit more space in the toes a few people were a little i guess they have wide feet maybe but <laughs> you know we made a little bit more wrap around the instep like in the center and then which spreads your toes out and makes you gives a little bit more space for the toes that's all we really did nothing really major difference but one thing that's very cool for a difference is the laces are different which seems like a a silly little thing it's only the laces but um there's flat laces they grip really well it really keeps the shoe really snug and tight on your foot yet gives you room in the forefoot and it gives you amazing traction i mean the shoe is like i wasn't sure they could make it better than the two but 
it's right in there, you know. I mean, it's all it's all uh, all good stuff. Definitely looking forward to trying it out uh, sometime this year. So my two is still pretty deep. So twos are great, you know. So it's like, why, you know, don't get rid of the twos and jump on the threes if the twos are great for you. Like at least run through them until they pack out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until, they, until they're a little tired, then go to the threes. But I think you won't be disappointed. I think it's not much different. Just a little bit, a few tiny tweaks. That's all. And that's all we really wanted to do. Definitely. Uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of my uh, Wednesday night group uh, trail runners, uh, my friends, they wear that shoes, and um, so it's just great. kind of kind of wanted and one of, one of them were mentioning, "Hey, it's coming. Are you getting a new one?" It's like, "Oh, hold on." I just got it's been a phenomenon, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but definitely it's a lot better upgrade uh, from one to two. So yeah, yeah the one wasn't the one was too narrow, so it's all um, yeah. that's Def- what it is. Yep, definitely. Uh, so how's your racing uh, going? Uh, so so as uh, we talked last year, right after Pendahody, how how's your races uh, for almost a year, year and a half? Uh, we since we talked, uh, have you been racing and or or what do you do these days? Well, I ran Hellgate 100 on December 8th. That was my 51st birthday. Um, so I decided to go to Virginia and run. And the biggest challenge of that race was not finishing the 67 miles, but the uh, the flight getting home. I was stranded in the airport for about two days. And uh, glad I had a thermal rest to sleep there. But, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so anyway, I ran that race. And now I'm running the Lone Star 100, which is about a week and a half away from now. Um, in El Paso, Texas. And, you know, I'm just kind of, I've been running. I haven't, I'll be honest and say, I really haven't been running massive miles and really training for anything specifically. But I'm more or less looking at the races I'm going to run, which is Lone Star, Sonoma, Scout Mountain 100, Ute 100, all different courses and places that I've never been before. So that's kind of a new adventure for me and just kind of venture out and just kind of like spread the word and run through the woods, I guess, you know? Definitely. So you still travel heavily for for racing, running? Is that what you do? Yeah, I wouldn't say heavily traveled, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but no, I do. I mean, this year is actually a little more local, and I'll and I'll probably go back east somewhere in the in the late fall because my last race of what I just mentioned was the Ute 100, and that's August 9th. So I'll probably come back east in the fall sometime. Um, I also plan to do the long trail in Vermont with one of my buddies, just as a hike. Sure. This, this summer in June, and that's like. I mean, that's kind of priceless. So, you know, I think I'm doing all right. My life is pretty good and, you know, running around the woods. <laughs> and the last, last time we talked, you were talking about golf. And uh, uh, we, I, I was having a hard time to catch you. You had to go to a golf tournament or you playing golf somewhere. So so I think that's also coming along, looks like. Well, I don't I don't play in many tournaments, but I played in a few speed golf tournaments. But I've sort of, those are sort of like a fun thing on the side. But uh, I just like to play the game. I love it. It's very addicting. I've played since I was a kid. And so what I do, you know, you know, if I go out and take off and play golf for three days, it's really focused around a place that I can probably run to. <laughs> so think about, you know, if you wake up in the morning, you go for your run, for whether it's five miles or 30 miles or whatever, then you go play around of golf in the afternoon. That's pretty good. So that's kind of, you know, when I go play a lot of golf in nicer places, that's what I do. And then uh, I play a lot around it at home. That's I just love the game. It's just a silly game, but I love it. <laughs> it's very addicting. Yeah, as a from runner to a golf, yeah. uh, golf addict, a little, uh, a little unusual. 
I guess uh, because uh, I don't know a lot of runners who are who also play golf. I guess that's kind of transition into a different sport. I guess that's well, it's the other it's the other recovery tool too. Like if you if you play golf and you walk a golf course, mm. sure it's easy. You know it's a long walk spoiled Arnold Palmer. <laughs> um, that's kind of what it is. You know, but it's not necessarily spoiled, but it's like it's great for recovery too because you move, you're a little bit active, you move a little bit after your run where your body tends to want to get stiff. And we don't always get stiff after one simple run, but at the same time, it's like it's always a recovery factor, you know? It's definitely something that, that, that helps if you can do it a lot, if you have that option. <laughs> if, if you have that option, if you're, <laughs> if you're passing it. <laughs> That's pretty key. It's pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I don't have often, and I don't know how to play golf, but lately I do. <laughs> I do walk a lot. So walking, I'm trying to bring the walking to my life, but, uh, you know, longer you walk, more you want to run. So, but... That's right. So, Carl, uh, let's uh, let's switch back a little bit and let's see where we go. I just wanted to uh, talk about uh, some of the things uh, you came back here uh, to do in Pinhoti. You mentioned briefly earlier, talking about... Uh, crewing versus racing for you um we we looked at you you were you always competitive uh, last time i raced uh you your wife sarah was uh crewing you and this time you you had to, you switch that role is this the first time you have done or have you done this before how does that work for you uh, well this is not the first time i've crewed cheryl but mm -hmm. but this but it was one of the very very few times that i've traveled somewhere and crewed her like she's crewed me so to really equal the balance out, right? So on, to be honest with you, I've run Pinhoti a couple times, right? Three right. times. And when you run it, you just run through the woods. There's an aid station. You run through the woods, and then you get to the finish line, right? You don't really see the driving logistics. Before I did the race, I always drove – the first time that Cheryl went and crewed me anyway, we drove the course to make sure she knew where the start was, the aid station one, two, four, whatever, all the way to the finish line. So that's like something something that's important to do. But anyway, but now I was on the opposite role. So I was it was interesting because I was kind of stressed out about um, not being able to find the points to see her. But then I learned how to punch in GPS numbers on my phone, and voila, I had it. My <laughs> 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 phone just talked to me. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, it was it was kind of intimidating because you know I always looked at myself as like when I run a race, I'm pretty low maintenance give me some gel some water you know maybe a minor other thing and that's it and i'm out of here and i'm pretty self-sufficient um but you know cheryl takes a little bit more maintenance um she wants this that and the other and it was intimidating in a way and but i really enjoyed it it was the hardest thing was sleeping because you never sleep overnight um at Pinhoti, the traffic was pretty gnarly at a few places actually yeah because Mm -hmm. Right, and and she never deals with that when she crews me when I'm more near the front, but when you're more oh, near, oh, that's back, right. You have so many more people out Got there. It. Adam's Gap, I I was. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I can't <even> go over. <laughs> a few of those places uh, it was pretty gnarly, um, tight roads, that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I got to see that part of it, and. As always, it's it's more uh, it, it's pretty amazing to see what happens back there because I've never really seen it as a runner and and I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone else that's not my my sales pitch here <laughs> I think my sales pitch really is that it's it's amazing to see what goes on with the chaos and the amount of people and just what's happening further back I mean I'm a race director so I see it I see it in other in the race that I direct anyway but at the same time uh, actually being in the middle of it was 
was pretty intimidating. You know, it was hard. It was cool, but it was hard. Definitely. Yeah, this is my first year actually pace anybody. I've never paced 100 miler. I paced mm-hmm. a lot of road marathon. That's a different thing right. anyway, but uh, pacing a 100 miler was a lot different. I started from Adams to Finnis, and like you said, I got to see different part of the racing, and I felt one of the biggest part for me is very thankful for all those people who paced me, their patience. <laughs> right. <laughs> they had to go through pacing me, you know, I was like a baby, you know, <laughs> some places are like so emotional and uh, hard, and uh, they have to kind of suffer through. I realized through my runner, because uh, I realized, like you said, sometimes you just don't know how to treat a runner as they come through, or as I'm pacing, I didn't know, so what, how, to, how to treat them, should I be hard on them, or soft on them, or... <laughs> I think it always depends who it is, but I would I'd be willing to say that 85% of the time you don't want to be hard on them, but you have to understand, but you have to say you have to be positive. You can't be negative, like oh you should go home because save it for another day. See, I'm not I mean, personally I'm not that guy that says save it for the next hundred, right? Right. As long right. as you're not injured. If you're injured, that's something totally different. But if you're not injured and you're just you know your belly's a little tweak and you have plenty of time to chill out for a little bit and let that kind of settle out and move on, you will feel so much happier about your performance because you actually finished. It doesn't matter what your time was, but you but you did it, right? Right. So the thing is like when you bail out and you don't really have that major issue, you're just being kind of like you're low on energy, you're low on motivation, so you bail out and you go home. You feel way better about yourself because you pushed through it. It's not about, it's even more powerful than just the finish when you have a good race, if that makes any sense. So think about that next time you run 100, the finish is more important sometimes when it's slower. Definitely. That's a great quote, actually. Yeah, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Code that one. It's a lot of meaningful. I mean, I have done a couple, a lot of slow hundreds lately, and and I talk about it because that was a verse of quitting. Uh, last hundred I ran, but but uh, but I didn't. But here, uh, just for you, your perspective, uh, you know, you're always fast. You're always going ahead. And what was it a point where it's like, uh, man, this is so difficult for you? I think you mentioned a little bit. What was the difficult part for you uh, as an elite athlete that you run so fast and trying to cruise somebody who's not as as fast as you run, even though it's your wife? I know you have to be patient with her, but. But as a general runner, what do you what are your thoughts there? I, I think like, you know, when 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 you cruise someone, you have and say Cheryl has ten miles or whatever to get up to Chiha, you know, the top of the mountain there. I kind of I finish her up, I rush, I get to the next spot, and you wait, right? The thing is, like, I just I just always wanted to wanted to come in through there and just be positive. I want you sit there and you wait and you wait and you wait, and it always seems longer than you think, and. uh you just want to be positive all the time. And if you can keep your runner positive all the time, then there's not, not much else you can do. You know, it's, 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 a tough, it's a tough thing. I mean, it's it's a long race. Like Mike Mason, another friend of mine, ran Pinhoti, and he's pretty fast. He's a, he's kind of like a top 10. I don't think he'd win it, but he could run 6th, 7th, 8th, something like that. So pretty solid, great runner. And, you know, he just kind of like wasn't mentally in it. Mm. Just like I was mentally in Western last year, I just like when you're not mentally in it, you're – it's not all there, you know. You just want your runner to be mentally in it and to stay positive with them. And if you can do that, you'll get them to the finish line. Does that make sense? Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. Uh, 
So definitely. Uh, so on this uh, journey of uh, this new task you took, who, who raced most of the time, but as, as a crew this time, what are the, some of the mistakes you made or would like to correct in the future so that people who are listening may not be, you know, may want to crew somebody else or pay somebody else in the future who has never had this experience? You always think that you don't have exactly what they want there. You know, like, is she going to want pineapple? Is she going to want that bacon? It's always something, which is pretty amazing. So you sort of have to, um, if your runner comes in focused, right? Like, hey, get me this, get me that, get me this, get me that. Then you just do it. I mean, if you don't have it available, then you say, well, I don't have that. <laughs> but we're, of course, right? But but if you do have it available, you just do it. You don't go back to the plan to say, well, this is what you wanted. Well, we're all delirious. After 40 miles, you become somewhat delirious, and you're just sort of focused on the next next aid station. You do your thing. You go to the next one and do your thing. So you're not really thinking clearly all the time. You, you certainly don't remember what you wrote down on that sheet that you gave your crew because, right? All right. <laughs> it's reality. It's just reality. <laughs> because... uh, if you remember that, then you, you're pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, you should go to West Point. So... <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is, um, you know, the idea is just to make them if they if they come in focused, you just do what they want and then make sure that they have the essentials. Of course, the water, make sure they have enough calories when they leave, that kind of thing. But you make a little light if, it get, if it's getting dark. Those are your responsibilities as a crew person. The, the, the main things, the core of what they need is that's your responsibility. What they need on the backside when they screw. You know, telling you things, rambling things off. Um, that's kind of you hope you have it there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, but thing, you know, lights, water, calories, definitely warmth or whatever. Yeah, you know? warmth. Uh, that's one of my mistake uh, for yeah. my runner when when I was pacing as a pacer. I didn't think about it because I, I wore a jacket and I was I had a pants on and everything when we went through the pinnacle. But yeah. I totally forgot to ask my runner, do you need a jacket? <laughs> <laughs> well, right, right. You know what happened after like a mile or so down the down in the Horn Mountain, going towards uh, uh, next A station, we he started right. getting free <laughs> freezing up. He he was getting cold. Right, and uh, I was like, man, I'm, it was it was a tough thing to see because it really hurt him um, for a while. Because then. And there's no way to get his jackets or anything, uh, you know, till we get to the like 18, 20 miles. So it's three, four, five, six hours later. So, right. So, so a learning standpoint, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer after hearing that story. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's just you have a runner's checklist for each runner, like at the aid station, and it's like you can't leave without this. It's like boom, 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 boom. You know, which was the jacket or the hat or whatever. Having a checklist like that is very important, and it's and a lot of times even the crew forgets about that kind of stuff. So it's what what you know what's incredible at ultra running is that crewing from an elite level, if you're right at the front, those minutes might matter, you know. But I think when you're a little bit further back, you're not necessarily racing to win; you're racing to run your best time. It's more important to make sure that you're thorough hmm. with doing, you know, and then go. And I mean, the extra 30 seconds, one minute isn't really that big of a deal. <laughs> no. I mean, don't, you know, don't take anything away from anyone. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying that. Yeah, but, you, you know, I try to make sure that I'm thorough. I mean, I have, I've written things on, a, on my hand, on my arm, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. You know, I've, I've kind of done that a few times. So that just reminds me of what to do. And usually it's like extra gel, get rid of your garbage, get your water, get your light. Very yeah. simple things. Got it. 
Um, yeah. This is the basics. You know, that's, that's kind of the crew job. The rest of it is kind of up to the runner and then try to have it for them if they ask for it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that was our biggest mistake. I, I was, you know, other than we, we, we did a pretty good job, but right there we made that mistake and he was a little bit bigger than me. He couldn't fit in my jacket. <laughs> I could. I can. That must I, have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, I could not give up my jacket to him. But you know, even then, <laughs> but definitely, uh, we would have saved a lot of time. So uh, talking about the the point you're you're making, that we would have made better time if he if he was warmer that time. So so you know he was because it's cold. You know things just start going bad to worse. You know. When, we when got... you're cold and you're depleted, it's gonna get worse, you know. So you and you, honestly, when you get another thing too, when you get really cold, um, of course, I don't know the what was going on there as far as how much he or she was eating, but food is like kindling to the fire. So if you eat your food, that's getting you warmer, which will help you rebound a little bit, even if you're cold and you know if you don't have a jacket and you're kind of cold. If you eat something, that will also warm your body up. Definitely. It's a, he had a, we were fine when we left the pinnacle. It's just a few miles down, down, and it was the, the wind blowing and everything. So, so it was, uh, it was interesting. I never seen somebody can go, I mean, I've seen myself going back to worse gradually, but <laughs> <laughs> this was just like a turning point. And then we get, gave him a, when we got to the, like a next eight station, a couple of eight station down, gave him jackets food, warm stuff, put him in front of the heater, yeah. and, and that boy, he left, and he speed up, and I could I was having a hard time to catch him some points. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, you know, I mean, that's, it just, he just needed some regeneration. Definitely. So, on, on this uh, thing you were doing on, on the on Pinhoti, uh, were you, like, you have competed, uh, you said, a few times already, uh, three times, I think, um, uh, you won the, I think you won the, all, all those three times. Were you are uh, like you know itching to go race it, or did you miss this, or you're like okay, I'm good, good here? You, well, I I'm good where I'm at, you know. I mean, I've raced it three times, won it three times. I think that's I want to come back, and I'm just getting older, so I'm kind of running out of places to go. <laughs> so talking about talking about being an older runner, uh, we can we can talk that topic a little bit. Let's uh, let's kind of finish uh, finish this this part of the this part of the interview uh, talking about crewing and pacing. So you, if you had to do it uh, this all over again for somebody else, what would you like to do? Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I don't know if I'd do anything really different. I think I learned it because now I know it. You know, I know how easy it is actually to get to aid stations, um, all the simple stuff. So I'm you know I'm, I'm pretty good at it i mean i know where to set my little table up for someone little stuff like that um i wouldn't do anything really different but i'd have more confidence when i did it which would make it that much better that sounds great because looking from your perspective as a elite athlete to being crewing uh, uh, as a middle middle of the pack runner so uh, so that's that's always great even you know this time you paced your wife maybe in the future you'll pace somebody even me or you know pace or crew me or something <laughs> it's always something I charge pretty high dollars there, and you, you know, it's, cheap. <laughs> it's always great to learn you know so yeah. let's uh let's talk about let's move on to this uh, interview a little bit further talking about uh, uh running 100 i think we every time we we come and we talk about uh first time running 100 mile or i think we talked about many many times Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to just change that topic just a little bit. Uh, runners like me run already eight times the 100 mile. I got nothing to prove. Uh, I know that I wanted to go faster, but even then I'm 
Uh, tell us about uh, what kind of motivation do I need to uh, have to continue on this journey because sometimes I feel like I got burnt out running 100 miler. I think you have to you have to like it to run far. You have to like finding that zone and, and you have to understand that it's going to hurt, <laughs> right? It's not, it, it, that, but that's part of the challenge. It's not that it, it doesn't hurt so much that you can't walk or something. It's just, it's just soreness, you know? You have to like that kind of thing. If you don't like it, then you probably shouldn't do it. But, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to discourage anybody. I'm just saying that whatever you do, you should like it. And for me to run 100, it's kind of funny. It's kind of just built into my brain, like, well, you should do this, you know? So when I started doing it, I understood that. It was like, well, this is kind of my wheelhouse. doesn't mean I'm going to be the fastest guy or win the most or whatever, but I, I thought that it was kind of my wheelhouse. And that's how I got started at it and became very addicting. And the addicting part is is not the pain or the just the long day out in the mountain. It's 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 just more like finishing, you know, because that finishing feeling is pretty awesome. Because you've been thinking about it for like forty miles, like when am I going to be done? <laughs> you know? But but then you finish it, and it's like that. It's just a weird feeling. It's um, it's good. Definitely. Uh, talking about that, we just discussed a little bit uh, about uh, you know aging factor as well. Uh, does it come a time? Uh, when we say 100 miler is uh, is something beyond our reach, uh, is it a, tr- a training that we need to continue put it on, putting on our I and mean, the speed that you run? I guess you have to be com- competitive speed that you put put on to run 100 milers. I mean, do you have? Are you still willing to uh, run that fast and train that much to be faster, or have you slowed down as you age? You say you're 51 now. Um, so tell us about how does that feel, 50 plus, being a 50 plus runner. Uh, I'm a grandmaster. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right, right, grandmaster. Um, so no, you know what? The funny thing is, like, I I feel like I'm 28, right? Well, I don't feel like I'm 28, but I feel like I can race like I'm 28. There's a big difference there because every time I go run, I'm sore and I don't. Everything hurts, but but uh, not all the time. But what I'm saying is that as long as you feel like you're younger and you're running, you're fine. Um, I know I'm I'm definitely slower. I run a lot of my bread and butter runs that I do all the time, you know. And I used a lot faster about ten years ago, with <laughs> when I wasn't even trying. But that's okay, you know. It's still it's still enjoyable to me to go run races to kind of like. You know, there's no, I don't think there's really pressure on me to win anymore. There shouldn't be. <laughs> if there is, then I don't know what, you know, <laughs> what you've been doing. But but the bottom line is, um, I, I just like doing what I like to do. And if that's running through the mountains, then I'll go keep racing and doing what I love it, you know, and, and spread the word. I think it's, I think it's fun, you know. Definitely. I, I think for me is I will keep running any distance uh, as, as long as possible. I've gone through that downturn last couple of years, uh, so but but I feel like uh, I'm putting my training back, and I'm willing to put some training back on and see, was it a training that I <laughs> lacked on it? I was slacked, you know. Like I said, there's no motivation to run, and then I'm just go so up in a race and just run it, or is this the old age that is what I'm facing right now? Well, but, you know, the beauty of the competition is that it doesn't matter if you're running for first place or. 200th place or the cutoff or whatever it is you're still racing against some other guy that's two minutes ahead of you or girl that's two minutes ahead of you you know what i mean so it's like it's still there the competitiveness is still there i think that's what matters most i think that's why 
we won't all say that that's why we do it, but I think that's why a lot a lot of us do it because we like to compare ourselves to others, even if we don't feel really competitive. Hmm. I don't know. It's kind of it's just you know it doesn't matter where you are in the field. It's still the same race for you as it is for me. So I don't think that just because I'm not going to win 500 miles in a year or 600 miles in a year like I used to, I'm going to come in 12th or 10th or 8th or whatever. Um, that's fine with me. I'm I'm good with it. I think it's a lot of fun, and that's all that really matters to me. Definitely, I think you learn to adjust where you are in life with, with the with the running that you that you're able to do. I mean, I'm 51. I'm almost dead, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I must be dead by now. Come yeah, on. yeah. The, yeah. A lot of people, you know, <laughs> some people, <laughs> 51 is, a, yeah, it's almost dead time. You know, time to. Time to uh, retire, and uh, what, do you, what did we say last time? Play golf? Play golf, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my family, do you want me to just come stay home and just watch TV? I beg this buy this big uh, chair and just watch TV all day long. It's like, no, no, just go run. So <laughs> running, is, running is therapeutic. It's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, definitely. So talk about that running, what do you call, beyond your age limit. Uh, going forward, uh, have you thought about going like those 200 miles? Now there's, I heard there's some 500 mile races. Have you done? Have you thought about going that far, or 100, 100 is it for you? No, I, I'm actually kind of planning on running the Moab 240, but I, I have not entered yet. It's not closed, so I'm well, I'm still thinking about it. But I think you know it's not really about the challenge of like whether I can finish it or actually win it. You know that kind of thing. I think. I know I can finish it because it's only 240 miles. It's 10% of the AT, right? Right. I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah we... Well, that's just my attitude. <laughs> Believe me, it will hurt. I get it. It will hurt, all that stuff. But um, I'm pretty – I mean, as long as I'm healthy, you know, as long as my body's okay. But I might run that. And uh, from there, I really won't know this, you know, in, late, in the, late in the winter or late in the – I'm sorry, late in the fall. But – uh but I'm intrigued by it. I'm, I mean, it's a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I don't really know that yet because I haven't done it. So that makes me a virgin at the 200, right? So that's like a whole new ball game of like, oh, what's this going to be like? So I don't really know um, what to expect, but I'm looking forward to it. So anyway, I didn't enter that yet. So, you know, it's kind of up in the air, but that's I'm intrigued by it for sure. Definitely. As an ultra runner, uh, the perspective that you just mentioned was so funny that I'm just going through right this moment um, because I just raced a pretty good road race, uh, pretty fast for me. Uh, it's been a years that I haven't run this fast, 3.32 for, for a marathon. Eight minute mile. <laughs> close right? To, yes, it's pretty close to eight minute mile, yes. I mean, I was really ahead and fast and, and just ran a marathon and a lot of things hurt and then now I got to go run a... I'm pacing uh, Miami Marathon this weekend. I'm going down to South Beach, warm weather a little bit. I was like, a, as an ultra runner perspective, as you just mentioned, it's like, hey, this is how how much distance we had to figure out how to run it in one day or one setting. Now I have a whole week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you talked about 18, you know, like a whole week to prepare, you know, to get ready and go out and run and figure myself and put myself together, back to back together. I think that's what I usually say. 100 miles breaks you in so much that you had learned to put, put yourself back together and finish the race. I think that's what I'm... The body heals, you know. It comes back. You just got to, like, let it happen. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a good training for me because I 
trying to run some fast races or at least be a little bit faster than what I was this past year. So so hopefully I'm coming back slowly. Hopefully that that's... Uh, nice. that's uh, <laughs> we Nobody comes back too fast. Yeah, no, no, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, it it was it has been a long journey and process that I'm trying to get through. So, Carla, as you move forward, uh, wh- what are you looking personal and personal achievement? I think we discuss a lot of things um, as you look f- forward. Uh, what are the big big goals for you in coming this year, next year? Well, my goal, of course, is to win a 100 mile race this summer at some point. That would be the 19th year in a row of winning 100. So that's one of my goals. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> um, that one's on the radar, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, I've got three good hundreds on the docket, and they, we'll see what happens after that. But, um, you know, they're not as competitive as they could be, but they're three great courses. Mm. And the Lone Star, Scout Mountain, and Ute are three, like, spectacular 100-mile courses. And, you know, I've always kind of taken pride in just going to the race that I want to run. So, so I'm doing those. And uh, that that's that's a goal. But other than that, uh, just to be healthy and keep running, and not you know don't not go down to some injury where I can't run anymore because I'll <laughs> probably shoot myself. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's it's good to be out and and still be helping other people by coach just by coaching people or just by mentoring them somehow or just sometimes it's silly but some which is kind of weird to me but sometimes signing an autograph you know <laughs> and you feel better um that's cool um i think it's a cool sport and it's cool to be around it for a long time definitely uh, you have been around for a long time and changed the course of the ultra running and you have done so much in the in the field of ultra running so definitely so have you have you got any book out or I think we talked about that last time? <laughs> yeah, well the book, you know, I, it's, if I say that too loud, my wife's gonna hear me. But um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's partially written. But to be honest with you, I have some of the other things going on right now. I know that the book is important. I know that people would like to read the story, and and I get it. But um, I just have other stuff going on, so I'm trying to like. I'm also thinking about my my angle on it so i really sort of want to tell my story where this is really my story i don't know if that makes sense or not but um you know we all have have things that we do and have done and stuff like that i think it would be cool to have everything in there so anyway i'm just uh i'm sitting back on it right now and i'm just kind of waiting till the time is right definitely definitely sounds interesting i mean we we know a lot part of your life but uh, definitely it'll be great to hear the stories uh, and i'm just a big joker really you know it's all i really am i just gotta run through the woods and it's all there is to it yeah guys who run through the woods and <laughs> yeah definitely uh, uh so so carl uh carl uh, we we talked about uh, many different aspects uh we had a lot of serious talk about running ultra running uh, distance running many things crew and uh, tell us about some of the things uh, we don't know about about you or some personal thing uh, that you like to share with us that that interests you, our some of our ultra friends. Uh, tell us about uh, some of those things. Uh, maybe cooking, maybe doing other hobbies that you have beyond running and golf. Uh, tell us about some of the some of the things that we don't know about you. Um, some people know it, but I'm I'm, I'm a hand-eye coordination specialist. I <laughs> was <laughs> a hand-eye coordination specialist. <laughs> what is that? Right. Well, things like uh, I, I like to I like to play around the mountains. We know that. We know that's that. an easy one. Of course, we know that. 
but I also like to do things like sculpt things, as in gardening, landscaping. I'm not a sculptor, of course, but um, I like to sculpt things. I like to make, I like to create things that you can play on. So I've created things from croquet courts to horseshoe pits to backyard golf to silly, stupid things like that. Really, in snow cake courts where we play croquet on snow, sled runs that we've seen videos of us in the mountains which is probably the biggest creation ever. Just, I mean, that's just something I like to do, and and I could spend the rest of my life doing that, probably wandering around in circles, and I'd be happy. <laughs> um, some people, like I said, some people probably know that, but anyone who's not doesn't know me personally probably doesn't know that. Um, it's just something I just like to enjoy being out and not working as much as possible. Definitely, definitely. We we all will wish to be out and not work. Well, nobody wants to work, right? I mean, <laughs> if we all have to work, we have yeah, to. Have- work but but uh i think it's more important for it's most important we only live once and if you don't live now what are you going to do later so yes i just kind of look at it that way i just kind of like try to make my life as happy as possible uh tell us about uh beer i think you mentioned that uh are you like a bourbon uh, drinking person hard liquor or beer drinker what, <laughs> what kind of things you do what kind of beer do you drink i'm more of a pale ale fan I'm not a big IPA fan, so I don't like it super hoppy. Uh, it's just beer, you know. I mean, that doesn't mean I drink a ton of beer. I like beer. So, <laughs> but yeah, pale ale is kind of my thing. I can also drink really cheap beer, which is very cheap. So, <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just one of those things. Yeah, as ultra runner, I think that's one of the yeah, requirements. It's so. the calories at the end of a race, right? <laughs> or run. That's right. What, or that's, run, race, whatever it takes, you know. Yeah, that's what the Wednesday night group at this moment, they're probably start drinking now. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just be safe out there. Just be safe out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm it, pretty adamant about that too. So I, I was asked to ask you about the fancy camp table, and uh, also there's a next question. Uh, really, the question is um, from from your opinion, uh, looking at you know, place where you live, uh, train, and you go into other other terrains, you know, racing. Uh, how does that fare? Or how does that work? Like you know, you you live in Utah and coming to Alabama versus we live in Alabama going to Utah, or or Colorado. How does that work? Uh, do we have to train differently from people from uh, Alabama to go to? Go to higher mountains, you know. What, what do you what do you see there? I think it's I think it's important to train on terrain that's specific for your race. Hmm. So that's the first comment I'll make. But so I'm coming from Utah. I'm going to Alabama. The only thing technical in Alabama at Pinhoti is blue hell, right? Right. I mean, you go down there and it's ugly. It's just like whatever. That's not even running. <laughs> some yeah, this, some this. of it really isn't, right? But. But when it comes to the rest of it, through the woods, there's some roots, some rocks, a couple dips and dews, you know, generally speaking, it's pretty smooth. So when I'm running on terrain here in the Wasatch around Salt Lake, um, it's harder than that. Um, it's more slippery in Alabama because <laughs> of, of humidity, you know, but, but generally speaking, it's 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 fairly comparable. You know, Wasatch might be a little different. I mean, I'm training at altitude and, and I'm living and I'm sleeping at higher altitude. So it's my advantage coming to Alabama, you know. You can't deny that. That's just, that's just the truth. Yeah, that's just the, that's <laughs> um, 2,400 feet, and it's not really that high. <laughs> um, a 1,200-foot climb is not that big. You know, it's it's not. It's really it's just like a little bump, and it doesn't mean it hurt, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt or anything. It just means it's not that big of a hill to me. 
so no, it's pretty, it's, it's good. I mean, I'm, it's, it's to my advantage for sure, because I'm coming from altitude and a little bit more technical terrain. But, but when you reverse the terrain coming from Alabama to come to altitude like uh, Utah or Colorado, so what, what do you, what are we supposed to do? Well, uh, well, move to Colorado <laughs> <laughs> or what else? Yeah. Now, um, it's either, you either, you know, if it's, the biggest race, if you're, so if you get in Hard Rock, for instance, and you like really want to run well there, best thing to do is show up a couple, two to three weeks, at least two or more weeks, and hang out. Just sleep in Silverton. Don't go up much higher than that, but just sleep in Silverton at 9,300 feet. That'll acclimatize you for the race more. But if you don't have that option, then you show up probably Wednesday. You fly to Durango or you fly to Montrose and you drive in Wednesday. You go to the meeting at 11 o'clock. And then you run the race on Friday morning. That's your best option. Hmm. Because your body doesn't adjust to altitude. It kind of makes it a downward spiral at first. And then it comes back up. Think of like a, just a, a graph, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, between five and eight days, it starts to come back up to normal. And then after that, it starts to improve a little. So you need to give yourself some time at altitude or just show up when your body is like, huh, what's happening here? <laughs> the race is over. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't mean it'll work for you. I'm just saying that I've kind of done it both ways, too. And I've seen all the science about it, but I've done it both ways. And, you know, honestly, I ran my fastest time just showing up, which was by two hours. And, you know, I don't know, altitude is funky. It, yeah. it kind of messes with certain people. It's hard. Yeah. Um, you can't ingest food easily. Uh, so there's a lot of factors involved, not just the acclimatization thing that everything thinks about. Definitely, I come from Nepal. I never run there, ran there, but, but yeah, super high, right? Yeah. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I've run up, you know, Pikes Peak at the fourteen, but I was young and didn't care, so it didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, it hurts when you're yeah. up higher. You just can't go as fast. Yeah, it's a little different. Uh, I like to try a little bit, go higher, and you know, yeah, every reason next time when I'm in Nepal, but. But uh, but you know I live in Alabama now, so yeah. <laughs> I'm climatized to being in Alabama. Plane so. flight away. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, the question is asked by uh, Jack. He's he got into Ladville, um, so he's one of our runner from Ladville. going to Ladville, so I think he's trying to figure out how he's going to train in Alabama to run. Yeah, Ladville. I think I think so. I would say fly to Denver Friday morning really early if you can. You gain an hour. It takes about an hour and 30-minute flight, probably. So you just you get to Denver, you rent a car, you get to Leadville by 12 or 1, you get your number or whatever that is, check in, sleep, and then the race. Or show up a little bit before. If you show up a week before, they're, you're, it's working against you. Two, you got to show up a little bit early or a little bit late, not done so in between, yeah, I think. Yeah, as late as possible, right. Yeah, so, so, so in definitely. In reason. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, sounds sounds great. Uh, Carl, uh, before we forget, uh, can you uh, tell us about your cool table? Yeah, I had this little table that my wife bought and spent way too much money on, but it was really cool because it opened up and folds into this little, ne- not neoprene, convenient but what? Carrying convenient case. carrying case table. And anyway, you, it's it's really cool because when you cruise somebody, it's super light. You can carry it anywhere. And, uh, you know, I don't remember the uh, manufacturer of it, but there's a couple of slots for drinks. It's uh, people like it. It's just so so you, if you have if you have a picture or something, maybe you want to share with us. So so it sounds like a really handy table. It is. And Carl gave me a bunch of crap 
buying this table. And yet everybody that we see when we are crewing comments about what an awesome table it is. And now Carl always wants to make sure that he brings it with him. Definitely. So, Cyril, did you have a great uh, great race here at Pinhoti? I did. I had an amazing day. I love the trails. I'm so glad I ran it. And thanks for coming to Alabama and uh, and talking to us. And uh, I didn't get to see you, and uh, you, I saw you crewing him uh, at Pinhoti and Lake Martin. Everybody always compliment about how efficient you are. And <laughs> how was Carl's crewing for you? Carl did a very good job crewing for me. I was glad to have him there. Sarah, uh, I know that uh, we, we kind of got you in tail end of this interview. Uh, we, I wanted you to be in this interview as well. Uh, maybe in the future podcast, uh, well, I'd like to invite you and talk a little bit more about your experience running through the Pinhoti or in any other races you will run. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest. I hate to be interviewed. <laughs> Thank you. Good well, to talk to you. Carl, uh, we had so much conversation, so many different things. Uh, this is the third time you're on Emron's podcast. The first time we just kind of, kind of we talked. I think it's you're my second episode, but it was very short. Uh, next one was 87. I think that's that's the number. So today, uh, so thanks for coming to the uh, podcast and spreading the words, spreading the joys, and spreading the love of running ultra, running hundred miler. Uh, and so definitely, uh, thanks for coming. So Carl, uh, before we uh, close this uh, interview, I just Wanting to give a words of advice to all the runners, uh, just give a words of advice to for them to take running in a different perspective. Not only racing, maybe crewing, volunteering, and also taking yourself beyond your comfort zone. Give us a, give us a words of advice. Well, number one, you have to like it, right? If you really hate it, <laughs> and this is not really advice, but try something else. But but the idea is to really like it and enjoy it and think about what you're doing. If you're out there running through the woods or the road or wherever you're going, if you like it, then keep doing it. It's just something that, uh, like, you only live once, you know? <laughs> That's the most thing is, like, even even when the, the times are down, you're going through a bad patch or whatever, whether it's a race or a training run or whatever, you have to say to yourself, well, who gets to do this right now? you because you're out there doing it and you're not having to listen to anyone else you're just doing your own thing i think it's important for people to just realize that that's part of what life is is doing things on your own and with others too (laughs) but at the same time uh just to enjoy life and have fun out there great uh thanks for great words of advice and and your time and all the knowledge again given to us so we'll take this forward and uh pass along all right thanks Simon. thanks so much at marathon runs uh great to be on the show Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emrun's podcast. Please visit emruns.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, get discount codes, and more.